0: Chapter eight of Days with Sir Roger de Coverley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Days with Sir Roger de Coverley by Joseph Addison and Richard Steele. Chapter eight. The Spectator's Return to Town. Having notified to my good friend Sir Roger that I should set out for London the next day, his horses were ready at the appointed hour in the evening, and attended by one of his grooms. I arrived at the country town at twilight in order to be ready for the stagecoach the following day. As soon as we arrived at the inn, the servant who waited upon me inquired of the chamberlain in my hearing what company he had for the coach. The fellow answered Mrs. Betty Arabelle, the great fortune, and the widow, her mother, a recruiting officer, who took a place because they were to go young squire quickset her cousin that her mother wished her to be married to ephraim the quaker her guardian and a gentleman that had studied himself dumb from sir roger de coverleys i observed by what he said of myself that according to his office he dealt much in intelligence and doubted not but there was some foundation for his reports for the rest of the company as well as for the whimsical account he gave of me the next morning at daybreak we were all called and i who knew my own natural sighiness and endeavour to be as little liable to be disputed with as possible dressed immediately that i might make no one wait the first preparation of our setting out was that the captain's half-pike was placed near the coachman and a drum behind the coach in the meantime the drummer the captain's equipage was very loud that none of the captain's things should be placed so as to be spoiled upon which his cloak bag was fixed in the seat of the coach and the captain himself according to a frequent though invidious behaviour of military men ordered his man to look sharp that none but one of the ladies should have the place he had taken affronting to the coach-box. We were in some little time fixed in our seats, and sat with that dislike which people not too good-natured usually conceive of each other at first sight. The coach jumbled us insensibly into some sort of familiarity, and we had not moved above two miles when the widow asked the captain what success he had in his recruiting the officer with a frankness he believed very graceful told her that indeed he had been very little luck and suffered much by desertion therefore should be glad to end his warfare in the service of her as were her fair daughter in a word continued he i am a soldier and to be plain is my character you see madam young sound and impudent take me yourself widow or give me to her i will be wholly at your disposal i am a soldier of fortune ha this was followed by a vain laugh of his own and a deep silence of all the rest of the company i had nothing left for it but to fall fast asleep which i did with all speed come said he resolve upon it we will make a wedding at the next town we will wake this pleasant companion who has fallen asleep to be the brideman and giving the quaker a clap on the knee he concluded this sly saint who while warrant understands what's what as well as uh, you or i widow shall give the bride as father The Quaker, who happened to be a man of smartness, answered, Friend, I take it in good part that thou hast given me the authority of of a father over this comely and virtuous child, and I must assure thee that, if I have the giving her, I shall not bestow her on thee. Thy mirth, friend, savoureth of folly. Thou art a person of a light mind. The drum is a type of thee. It soundeth because it is empty verily it is not from thy fulness but thy emptiness that thou hast spoken this day friend friend we have hired this coach in partnership with thee to carry us to the great city we cannot go any other way this worthy mother must hear thee if thou wilt needs utter thy follies we cannot help it friend i say if thou wilt we must hear thee but if thou wert a man of understanding, thou wouldst not take advantage of thy courageous countenance to abash us children of peace. Thou art, thou sayest, a soldier, give quarter to us, who cannot resist thee. Why didst thou fleer at our friend, who feigned himself asleep? He said nothing, but how dost thou know what he containeth? if thou speakest improper things in the hearing of this virtuous young virgin consider it as an outrage against a distressed person Then it cannot get from thee to speak indiscreetly what we are obliged to hear by being haste up with thee in this public vehicle some degree assaulting on the high road. Here Epaphame paused, and the captain, with a happy and uncommon impudence, which can be convicted and support itself in the same time, cries, Faith, friend, I thank thee. I should have been a little impertinent if thou hadst not reprimanded me come thou art i see a smoky old fellow and i'll very orderly the ensuing part of my journey i was going to give myself airs but ladies i beg pardon the captain was so little out of humour and our company was so far from being surpowered by this little ruffle that ephraim and he took a particular delight in being agreeable to each other for the future and assumed their different provinces in the conduct of the company. Our reckonings, apartments, and accommodation fell under Ephraim, and the captain looked to all disputes upon the road, as the good behaviour of our coachman, and the right we had of taking place as going to London of all vehicles coming from thence the occurrences we met with were ordinary and very little happened which could entertain by the relation of them but when i considered the company we were in i took it for no small good fortune that the whole journey was not spent in impertinences which to be the one part of us might be an entertainment to the other a suffering what therefore ephraim said when we were almost arrived at london had to me an air not only of good understanding but good breeding upon the young lady's expressing her satisfaction in the journey and declaring how delightful it had been to her ephraim delivered himself as follows There is no ordinary part of human life which expresseth so much a good mind, and a right inward man, as his behaviour upon meeting with strangers, especially such as may seem the most unsuitable companions to him, such a man, when he falleth in the way of with persons of simplicity and innocence. However, knowing he may be in the ways of men, will not vaunt himself thereof but will the rather hide his superiority to them that he may not be painful unto them my good friend continued he turning to the officer thee and i are apt to part by and by and peradventure we we never meet again but be advised by a plain man modes and apparel are but trifles to the real man Therefore do not think such a man as thyself terrible for thy garb, nor such a one as me contemptible for mine. When two such as thee and I meet with affections as we ought to have towards each other, thou shouldest rejoice to see my peaceable demeanor, and I should be glad to see thy strength and ability to protect me in it. End of chapter eight. End of days with sir roger de coverley by joseph addison and richard steele read by elijah fisher